Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Stocks and Spirits podcast. Today is June 11th, 2020, and we're going to be talking about the current market outlook. Before we do that, Tug, what are we drinking today? We're drinking uh, Tullamore Dew. It's out of Tullamore, Ireland. I'm sure a lot of you listeners are familiar with it. Uh, they actually have a partnership with the Boston Red Sox, and we uh, hail uh, from Beantown. So I thought a little ode to the home city. Uh, it's a 40% uh, alcohol by volume for those counting at home. That's 80 proof. Uh, it's a nice Irish blend between golden grain, pot still, and classic Irish malt whiskey. So we're enjoying it, uh, and hopefully uh, you enjoy this podcast too. Cool. Cheers, boys. Cheers. So let's get into today's topic, um, current market outlook. Before we talk about what's happening right this second, let's talk about what's happened recently. Um, earlier this year, as you guys may or may not have heard, we've had this thing called a global pandemic. Glo- uh, COVID-19 has basically taken fire of the entire world, all of the media, and all of the markets. Um, we saw a massive sell-off. A lot of people were, were genuinely really afraid from an investment standpoint. Um, there was a lot of margin call happening, and the the S and P five hundred tanked all the way down to the, like the twenty one hundred twenty one eighty level. Um, since then, that, that bottomed out on March twenty third. We've slowly begun, from a market standpoint, to like increase over time over the past like three months or so. Um, during this period, there's been a massive amount of unemployment. Even like most most recently, we've seen um, twenty million continued claims of unemployment. And the Fed has basically just been printing money, like unlimited quantitative easing. Um, Jerome Powell does not give a shit. Like money printer is going burr. Um, and then on top of that, like they they put out put out programs like the PPP, which is basically a, a, a program that's oriented around keeping people employed. EIDL, which is essentially like low interest um, loans to businesses, trying to keep everybody afloat on top of things like added unemployment to make sure that people are able to continue to provide for their families, eat, pay rent, etc. Um, and so there's all there's all this like positive stimulus going on, right? Where people are, are still able to survive. Businesses are hanging in there, even if it's just by a thread. Um, but the markets have rocketed back up um, to the point where the NASDAQ actually hit an all-time high earlier this week, which is outrageous in my opinion. Um, that said, today specifically, we saw an absolute bloodbath on the markets. S&P was down 5.8%. Um, Kev, do you mind giving me a little bit of background? Like, in, in your opinion, what did we see today? Why did it happen? What's going on? Sure, Ben. So, yeah, today was an absolute bloodbath from pretty much any perspective you look at it. Uh, Dow 30 down 6.9%. S&P 500 down 5.89%. Uh, NASDAQ closed down the least of the three indices, uh, down 5.27%. Um, and actually, notably, small caps got absolutely hammered down seven percent uh that would be the russell 2k um so yeah just across the board i mean you just saw huge waves of selling today um and pretty consistently throughout the day uh pretty much bulls went into hiding and uh bears pretty much reigned supreme uh all day long um and as you mentioned we were coming off this march 23rd low um 
And I, th- you know, there's been a ton of events that have really caused the market to perhaps maybe build in some uh, positive sentiment. Um, so I, I think, you know, the rally we've had has some legs to it. However, I do think that we just, you know, maybe have seen a little bit too much of a quick rally, uh, uh, just in too short of a span of time. And I think that's pretty much what we saw today, um, where people are saying, okay, we're now up about 40 some odd percent from the March 23rd lows. Uh, we're sitting in June. Maybe it's time to, uh, you know, take some profits and uh, maybe reallocate some money and rebalance the portfolios. And I think that's really what we saw today. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, I think that um, the the threat of a, of a second wave has really started to become a little bit sobering. I think a lot of people kind of got a little bit jubilant there where states were starting to like roll back stay-at-home orders. People are going out to bars, restaurants, doing things like they normally would, um, which gave them this like false sense of security. COVID did not just go into hiding. Like we're still at risk. Um, and I think that the markets really kind of like took a punch in the gut and started to realize that today. Um, flip side of the coin there, like we've seen some some straight up like blatantly irresponsible investing um, over the past two weeks to some extent. Hearst Rent-A-Car is a great example. Shot up hundreds of percents. Um, basically on small retail investors just buying in in small lots but at massive volumes, um, which if, for those of you that don't know, Hertz Rent-A-Car filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Like They're going to liquidate their fleet and they're going to go out of business. They're eventually going to get delisted. The company is essentially worthless, yet they're seeing three-figure increases percentage-wise in a single day. Um, and um, to me, like, that's just, like, absolutely ridiculous and, and a big red flag in terms of, like, wh- like, what's happening right now? Are we overbought? Are we undervalued? Are we right where we need to be? To me, that signal's overbought all day long. Yeah, it's a really good point, Ben. Uh, I think we actually touched maybe about 72 RSI on the S&P 500, which is, you know, traditionally the threshold that... Uh, most traders use for signaling an overbought condition. Um, and notably, the last time that it touched that threshold was about, um, you know, early March, which was right before we saw that huge sell-off. Um, so I, I think that was, you know, maybe just perhaps the market's getting a little too, like you said, over jubilant and, uh, you know, seeing a little correction from there. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. Uh, and I think a pretty fair synopsis uh, of some of the euphoric action we've seen over the last couple months uh, right on the street. Uh, but before, uh, you know, we call this stock market dead, let's look, um, I, mean, I guess, kind of into the future, into the crystal ball and say, one, you know, if we're going to go back into hibernation like some bears would, would like to say, uh, and I'm talking about as an economy, do the governments uh, that are currently in control of the states and, and the federal level, uh, do these officials actually have the power uh, at this point to reclose or, or close down or lock down the economies again? I don't necessarily know that it's about having the power. I think it's about having the balls at this point. Technically, they have the power. Yeah, but I mean, they. yeah, you're right. They technically do have the power, although I think some courts would say that they might not have the power to do that forever. <laughs> I hope they don't. Um, but in general, do they have the balls? Probably not. I'd imagine in most of these states where either senators or governors are looking for re-election, they're not going to go into close-down mode, you know, five months out from re-election uh, and risk, you know, a- another economic calamity. Uh, so realistically, where fundamentals are, uh, they're thrown out right now. Uh, we were at Dow 30,000 not too long ago. Uh, we were touching 34, 
hundred in the S and P. And I think that the fact that there's so much cash infused by both federal spending and monetary stimulus, that there is a certain confidence in the American consumer that is buying on the retail level into the stock market and pushing companies that are overweight in the NASDAQ higher, whether or not the fundamentals or earnings will be there next quarter. So that's just a little perspective from me. But at the same time, you know, it's important to do due diligence and be a stock picker and be an active investor right now, because there is a lot of value that you're going to lose out on by trying to buy broader market. Yeah, some really good points there, Tug. Um, I, I think you're completely right. I think investors are now looking for those companies that have strong balance sheets. And I think they're also looking for companies that, you know, they, they look at them and they say, sales really aren't going to deteriorate that much. Uh, you look at Microsoft, you look at Apple. I mean, as somebody who just got an iPhone the last weekend, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, sweet, my stimulus check paid for it. So, I, I mean, right there, that's direct consumer spending from the stimulus that the Fed's giving these people. Um, and I'm a prime example of it. Uh, so I think you're definitely seeing that. And I think, you know, you can't go wrong anyway, uh, even in a recession environment, which, you know, remains to be seen if that happens or not, um, with companies that have strong balance sheets. And if you look at the likes of Facebook, Apple, um, Microsoft, uh, and, and even Amazon to an extent, you see companies with seriously strong liquidity and seriously strong uh, or, or low leverage, I guess, um, that can seriously weather the storm no matter what gets thrown at it. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think that everything that's happening right now is going to make the priority of a strong balance sheet all that much more important. Um, that said, I, I think it's a little bit more than just that. And I, like, I, I know this isn't exactly what you meant, but I do want to just give the caveat to our listeners. Um, Yes, a strong balance sheet is a good place to start, but you also need to make sure that this business is something that is going to continue to thrive going forward. Just because you have a bunch of cash on hand, if you're not going to be doing business in the short term and your like sector of business or industry is going to take a longer term demand hit, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good buy. And so like, let's say, for example, and this is definitely not the case because their balance sheet is atrocious, but let's talk cruises, right? Like you see one of these cruise lines. Um, and say that they have uh, like an immaculate balance sheet. Sure, it's a better investment than other cruise lines. Um, but if like, let's I mean, who knows how long it's going to take to get a, a vaccine? Uh, we could see a second wave, a third wave. There's so many unknowns about what's going to happen from a demand standpoint that I'm still not comfortable purchasing shares in that company at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's industry by industry. And the dollar is only going to lose value if it's sitting on the sideline. If you're, you know, it's kind of the idea of you spend money to make more money and you got to put cash in the field to be able to make more revenue. And like you said, with the cruise lines or other industries that are just completely on pause. Yeah. You know, obviously some of these larger industrial groups. So like you said, Ben, maybe cruise lines aren't a good example, have a lot of stuff stuck in fiscal capital, but those that are cash rich and aren't doing anything with it, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to rebound uh, or continue to have sales growth or revenue growth after this ends because market conditions might change. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point. I guess like my like TLDR, like ultimate takeaway here is like strong balance sheets are a good thing. Having cash on hand is a good thing, but if you're not going to be able to put that capital to use to an extent that is going to create, um, like capital gains for stockholders, there's it, it, to me, it's just still not a buy regardless. You know, I mean, that's, that said, Kev, like you gotta be putting your money somewhere and are you just holding it in cash? Like, what are you doing right now? 
That is a great question, Ben, and I'm glad you asked it. I think anytime the markets come up 40% or so, I, I think it's tough to find you know places to put your money. Uh, even you know considering today's similar to 6% decline. That being said, I think that there are some spots, um, and, it, and it really it comes down to your time horizon. I think if you have a shorter time horizon, um, you're gonna be t- it's gonna be tough to find something that you really feel really great about. Um, but if you, you know if you have a one to five or even ten year lo- or longer time horizon, there's plenty of spots to be picked right now. Um, of course, myself working in banking, I think banks are uh, the ultimate bet on the U.S. economy long term. Uh, I think if banks have trouble, then you know you probably have a broader market problem. Um, given that the credit markets are really what stimulates the economy, and the Fed sort of works directly with these big money center banks to um, inject liquidity into the markets. Uh, that being said, I think that's you know not an extremely popular opinion right now, uh, given the Corona, you know, headwind or headwinds uh, that they're facing they're going to see increased credit losses and that's just a fact. But I do think that since the 2008 recession, they've seen uh, increased regulatory standards, uh, increased capital based standards. And I think their position to weather the storm, uh, you know, as long as we don't see too many new waves, uh, you know, as people fear. Yeah. They're also uh, traditionally pretty good dividend payers, which doesn't hurt either. Absolutely. I love banks as a value play. And that's part of my portfolio is, you know, looking for dividends and looking for companies with strong balance sheets that maybe won't grow as much as, uh, you know, your, your uh, growth companies in the S&P 500. But, you know, you know, they're going to be rock solid and they're going to they're going to pay you consistently. And uh, if you have a long time horizon, that really compounds over over the years. Um, that being said, there's definitely some other uh, sectors in the market that I think have value. Um, but I'd be curious to hear your guys' opinions uh, on what you think has value at this point. So yeah, I, there's definitely some value in in other other parts of the uh, more general United States economy, and I think that there's a few of them that do very well late in the business cycle. Uh, it's odd because usually monetary policy is a little bit different uh, this late in the business cycle, uh, but if you're looking at uh, utilities or a healthcare, there's some real value in a company like an NRG uh, who have a really good position in the utilities market, in the energy market. Uh, you look at a CVS corporation that they've been kind of a flummoxing because of their uh, merger with Aetna that happened um, late 2018 going into 2019. But you have to think that their positioning both in the healthcare uh, insurance space as well as the uh, retail healthcare space or the pharmaceutical uh, pharmacy space um, with storefronts that they'll be well positioned to to rebound regardless of what the economic environment is in early 2021, even late 2020. So those are just a couple things to look at, uh, and I want to make sure that you know, Kevin, I, I like your your long term bet on U.S. banks is great because I think that it's hard to bet against the U.S. credit market long term. I do think that's a difficult bet to take, and most people that have taken it have been proven wrong over time, regardless uh, of whether that came with intervention or not. Uh, At the same time, you're looking at opportunities uh, in the short term, and like I said, if you do think that we are, uh, you know, maybe 
bullish on the, on equities but still bearish on the economy, then utilities and healthcare is, is a safe harbor for individuals to invest. Yeah, and, and I agree with what, what both of you have put forward to this point. Um, traditionally, for, for me personally, I tend to steer towards uh, more ETF investing. I think it's safer, um, like SPY following the S&P, SPYD following the high dividends of the S&P. Um, those are two places that I feel very confident putting my money traditionally. This market is a little bit different than what we've seen in years past. I think that there is definitely a lot of opportunity to, from a long-term perspective, still put your money in ETF, let it grow. Um, if like you're not touching your money for 10 years, that's still what I would su- suggest that you do. Like That is the safest way to invest. Um, that said, if you're looking for that extra alpha and, and that extra like monetary return on, on your dollars in the shorter term, I think there is some opportunity to actually pick stocks, pick individual spaces like you guys are talking about. Um, for me personally, I am looking to add some positions. I like what both of you put out. I also like tech along with everybody else in the world. That is not a hot take in any way, shape, or form. So apologies that I'm not adding any additional value there. Um, but I am holding dollars for the most part right now because I think that we're going to see a little bit farther of, of a fall over the next couple of months. I think there, in my opinion, there's a lot of negative stimuli. There's a lot of unemployment. A second wave of COVID is, in my opinion, relatively imminent. Um, and not to mention this rally that we've seen to this point has been from like in terms of buying volume has been 50% small individual retail buyers like me, Kevin, Tug. Um, And in the past, anytime that number is eclipsed 45%, it is signaling or not signaling immediately following within the next year, there's been a 15% pullback. And the reason for that is because what you see is is relatively irresponsible investing from small individuals um, who don't necessarily know a lot about fundamentals or the market as a whole or the economy as a whole, um, but that are are experiencing FOMO, basically fear of missing out and want to get their money in, in, in somewhere versus otherwise. So personally, I'm looking to add to some individual positions that I have. I'm looking to add to some ETFs and I'm looking to add some net new positions that I don't actually have any ownership in. Um, but I'm picking those spots very carefully and I'm I'm just nibbling at this point and we'll get a little bit more interesting in the, the 29, 2800 range for the S&P. Yeah, and that gets into what your philosophy is when it comes to the market efficiency theory. The idea that that every single dollar that's put into the market has to be efficient just based on the fact that it's a dollar going from X to Y or Y to Z. What happens though is when you have a slew of retail investors who are a little bit more novice in the markets is you're gonna see the efficiency in real terms and in my opinion, decrease. And I think that Ben, that's what you're getting at is the idea that there might not be as much institutional buy-in as there is retail buy-in. And it's very important when you're looking at different value opportunities that you're not necessarily following the herd right now because the herd might be running in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, Tug, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I completely agree with everything you're saying, but uh, that said, I do think we should start to wrap up. Um, I, basically just gave you guys my perspective on on where we are and where we're going. But like to quickly recap, I am slowly nibbling after a 6% decrease day. Um, but I'm really looking to get a little bit more invested in the high 2000s for the S&P. Um, 2800, 2900, lower than that would be phenomenal. But generally, like I'm keeping whatever liquidity I have, I'm not jumping in right now. I'm biting and then hoping to put in more at a later date. Uh, Kev, what do you think? 
Ben, I completely agree. I, I think that anytime you get a 6% pullback or, uh, you know, 5.86, whatever it is, you're really tempted to put some capital to use, especially if you have a nice cast position uh, sitting on the sidelines. That being said, I, I think a lot of people tend to jump in with both feet a little too quickly. And I think, you know, we might see a little rebound in the next couple of days. But that doesn't mean, like you said, that we could see further downside and we could get into the you know high 2900s or even 2900, 2800 uh, for the S&P. Um, I, I, an interesting tidbit would be that the S&P tapped its 200-day moving average today. So I think that'll be an interesting threshold um, if it holds. Maybe people start putting a little more money back in the market. Um, I don't know. I'm personally going to wait on the sidelines and see what happens. Wait till I get a clearer market signal for uh, any investment decisions. Um, but I, I think it's really, um, you know, we're at the mercy of the headlines at this point. And coronavirus comes back, then I think that people will hit the exits. Um, and if things start looking up, I think people will, you know, dump some liquidity back into the market. So uh, I'm waiting on the sidelines. And uh, Tug, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and I'm going to be in in pretty close agreement with both Kevin and Ben on this. Uh, if you were a uh, if you were holding um, some of the more broad based ETFs like an SPY going into this, then there's really not much of a buying opportunity off a six and a half percent dip uh, in one day or a five and a half percent dip. Excuse me. Um, that being said, um, you know if you are still holding on to cash. Uh, there's some good opportunities that are going to come in probably the next month or so. Uh, volatility is still relatively high, uh, and that means there's going to be some buying opportunities. But if you were buying in March and April, then I don't think there's much fruit to be borne by buying in the next day or so. That it's going to be more of a couple months proposition to find a good uh, entry point uh, because you don't want your DCA to get too high. So, you know, at a, at a higher level, I do have faith in, in what's going to happen with the American economy rebounding. And there's obviously value, you know, at, at the single stock or at the active buyer basis. But in terms of passive investing, uh, staying on the sideline, I think is for the best. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys later this week. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Content within the Stocks and Spirits podcast is for informational purposes only and expresses only the opinions and views of the hosts. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in our podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by the hosts or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments. Nothing within the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice of any kind. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. 
However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained in this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements.